Greetings and hello. Welcome to Splinters. Thank you for joining me. I'm Gary Rogowski. Today's topic, choosing lumber. Now, this story is about my education at a lumberyard one day. I told it in my book, Handmade. It must be different now at the yards. It, it surely must be. Well, here's, here's the story. The lumberyard turned out to be no better for my confidence than the hardware store. It was, in fact, worse because Gordon, Gordon roamed the yard there what I, where I bought my hardwoods. Gordon made my irritable father look charitable, meek, of a sunny disposition. Gordon hated my face when I walked into his yard, which was nice and neat. Man, that boy did not like seeing me come in. And then my ass walked in to mess it all up. What do you want? He would scowl a greeting at me. I would tell him what I was looking for, and he'd walk me down this dark, ceiling chapel of lumber. Oh, my goodness. Row after row of wood stacked up in great piles up to the roof. Three, four stacks high. Amazing to see. The railroad line went right behind their building, and it would stop. I'd see the cars stop there. They'd open up their doors, and they would drive their forklift right into the rail car and unload. Unload these cars filled with stacks of lumber. And they'd bring them into their yard and pile them up, huge piles of wood everywhere. But for some strange reason, I always seemed to need the stack of wood on the bottom of all these piles. Which made Gordon even more cranky than before, because now he had to fire up the forklift and find a spot for the other two piles and move them. He'd go and push those forks into, into one pile, lift it up, yell at me, grab those goddamn stickers so I can put this load down. And I would find some chunks of wood and put those down on the concrete floor, those stickers. And he'd drop his stack or double stack on top of them. And then I'd get the heck out of his way because he might run me down with that stinky old propane-powered forklift of his. And he'd park it in front of the pile I was after. And he would get off it and say, well... Because, you see, he was expecting me to grab the board right off the top of the pile. And he was standing there waiting. Well, it doesn't take a lot of experience to notice that the top of the pile might be good. It might be great, or it might be the first layer of shit. And you can't just grab off the top if you're a poor woodworker just learning and scraping by like I was. You have to look through the pile of wood. Gordon stared at me. I stared back. He knew. He knew I had to look. And eventually he came to know me and what I was after. The best boards I could find. The clearest with no knots anywhere, no twist to them, and no bowing either. Better if they had terrific color and not much end checking or splitting. I simply wanted the best. I thought I was being reasonable. I mean, I was the customer. Gordon grumbled loud when he saw me tearing into a stack. Put it back the way you found it. He would then hop back into his forklift and motor out of there, leaving me to find some other stickers to stack my lumber on and and by God, I would look through that pile of wood for the three or four boards that I needed. Oh, and maybe one extra, because it was so pretty, and if I didn't grab it, then it wouldn't be there the next time. I learned to pile that stack back up better than I found it. A time or two, Gordon would come back and straighten things, jumping out of his forklift and taking another stick to slam it into the ends of the pile I had mismanaged. But he also showed me how to line up one end of the pile and overlay one wider board over a narrow one building up the pile so it was all locked together. I became neat. I became respectful of Gordon's piles of lumber. He knew eventually that he could let me look through his pile. 
his piles of wood without too much bother. It was, it was a puckering experience at first, I must admit, and Gordon seemed to delight in my education. There was a lot of humility to learn if I was going to teach myself woodworking on the cheap. Still in all, those places were where I had to go and where the education was that I had to get. One time, me and a buddy Cameron were at the lumberyard looking for buried treasures when Professor Gordon surprised the hell out of us by handing us a new lesson to ponder. He came up to us, and he gave us each a piece of wood. Iroko, it was called. Pretty brown, dark brown color. Turns out that Iroko is very hard and very pretty, chocolate brown wood, that is super rot-resistant and tears up your sinus passages, oh, by the way, when you make any dust out of it and you breathe it in. It sends folks to the hospital with nosebleeds if they're not wearing a mask. I still have that piece of Iroko. I think it was a gift. Either that or Gordon was trying to kill us off. I'm not sure. But it was an education. I did, I did learn my lessons there. Gordon's yard wasn't the only lumberyard where I had to avoid the, the foreman of the stacks. There was another place, and I, oh, I just would have to dodge this guy who looked at me and just gave me the dirtiest looks because I was highballing his, you know, high-grading his piles. But I couldn't afford to buy garbage. I just couldn't. So I would learn to be very careful and pile everything up very nice and neat, try and get in tight with the forklift drivers so that they would... Uh, Cut me some slack and, and let, me, uh, let me look for my treasures. Oh, I used to go to one yard, and uh, it was another wholesale yard, and uh, I met the forklift driver there, and he was, he was kind of a crazy guy. I've never seen anyone skid a forklift going around a corner, um, but Joe could do it. Anyways, we got along, and one time I, I found a, it must have been a 10 or 12 foot long piece of eight-quarter white oak with a honeycomb check in it. Only it was one giant inch and three-quarter long honeycomb check, and it went from one end of the stick all the way to the other end of the stick. The rest of it looked just fine. And because I had developed this relationship with Joe, I said, Joe, take a look at this stick. You got this honeycomb check in it. It might be junk. I'm going to take it off your hands for you. But you got to cut me, cut me a little break on the price. And he said, yeah, that's reasonable. Honeycomb checking occurs when the drying goes too fast and the, basically the board explodes inside. And, uh, yeah, he was reasonable about it. And he said, yeah, you can take a few board feet off and cut your price a little bit. So developing that relationship was really great. There were other times when I'd go in there and he said, yeah, I pulled the board aside. I think you might like. Why don't you go take a look at it? And I would buy it. Uh, because it would be something special. And that kind of relationship with your... Um, the, the people at the lumberyard really make a, make, can make a big difference. can make a big difference. And then there's a story of when I had to buy a unit of material. Now, a unit of material is usually a 1,000 board feet. I imagine it depends a little bit on the yard and the length and some other factors. But it's, you know, in that neighborhood of a 1,000 board feet. And that means it's a lot of wood. And I had a big job. So I said, all right, I'm going to get a you know, good price on this because you're, you know, if, if you buy in quantities, your price gets better. And I bought a 1,000 board feet of rough four-quarter cherry. And 
a lot of pieces that I cut into had that honeycomb checking. Only it wasn't one great big check. It was these insidious little tiny checks all over it, and it looked like surface checking, but actually went all the way through the board, just riddled the material with with these honeycomb checks. And I had this, every time I'd get a board like that, and I'd say maybe 40% of the unit was, was bad like that. But every time I got one, I would, you know, set it aside, and I'd get a bunch of them, and I'd take them back to the yard, and I'd say, you got to replace these. And it was so disappointing because, you know, it was the first time, oh, you know, I'm buying all this wood, a big shot, unit of lumber. And then it turns out, because I didn't look, I didn't look through the pile at all. I just said, okay, I'll buy a unit of lumber from you. And uh, they didn't want to take it back. They said, oh, well, you bought the unit. And I said, yeah, but I expected it all to be dried uniformly and not with defects through it. That's It's the only time, really, that you can take material back to the lumberyard. You can't take it back for checking or bowing or cupping or any of that stuff. But if there's honeycomb checks, that's their fault or the fault of the mill they bought it from. Yeah, you can send that back because that, that shouldn't happen. That should not happen, those, those honeycomb checking. It's called case hardening. And it's, um, yeah, it can be a real problem in, uh, in a board. So useless material that you just have to throw away. And who can afford to do that? So I couldn't. And I would every time I got one of those sticks in that pile of sherry, I'd have to muster up my courage and go back and argue with the guys at the front desk. So, But that's how it goes sometimes. You have to be careful. and Really, you have to be careful and, and look at the material. You can't take anything for granted. you got to look at both sides of a board. you got to look for defects. And just take a look at the material. You don't buy it sight unseen because it's, it doesn't come from the tree perfectly made. Choosing lumber can be an experience in humility and a part of your education as a woodworker. So to learn more about this job you have of choosing lumber, join us March 10th at 4 p.m. on Zoom for a lecture on choosing lumber. When it comes to building a project, you are the buyer, the sawyer, the joiner. You create the piece, the finisher, do you know what defects to avoid? Do you know what to look for for a particular piece done in a particular style? Do you understand the qualities of your wood in specific? It makes a difference in your projects. Learn how to up your lumber game with me, Gary Rogowski, March 10th. It'll be fun. An hour and a half with a Q&A session to answer any, any things that pop up, arise from my, from my chat. There's a lot to talk about. There really is. So I hope you'll join us. Northwestwoodworking.com is our website. Please check out our list of classes. We have some online lectures like Choosing Lumber this coming Wednesday. But also we have a project class called a build-along session. We're building a coffee table, floating table, I call it. Uh, and that starts in April. So please check out the website northwestwoodworking.com to uh, to see those to see those classes. And there is information as well on our online mastery program, which is also going great guns. It's a new world out there. Make our changes. I hope you'll join us. And if you like what you hear, please support me on Coffee or is it Coffee? K O F I dot com. I appreciate your support, and we'll 
be happy to answer any questions you pose to me there. If you like what you hear, please uh, leave us a review on your favorite podcasting service. Thanks very much for listening. This has been Gary Rogowski for Splinters. Choose your lumber wisely. Thank you.